From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Governor Tony Evers' statewide mask requirement went into effect over the weekend as coronavirus cases continued to rise, and now Republicans who control the legislature are threatening to block it. Evers declared a public health emergency in order to issue the mandate, and it applies to anyone over four years of age for all indoor spaces except a person's home. It also applies to bars and restaurants with outdoor seating. State law gives the legislature the authority to strike down the emergency order, and Republican Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald said late last week that he has the votes in his chamber to do so. The Assembly would also have to act, and Speaker Robin Voss has not indicated whether he would call his members into session. What do you think will happen here? Well, uh, they need both houses to agree to come back for it to happen, and right now, the Senate Republicans seem to be more passionate about it. Assembly Republicans were a little more muted in their response. Um, from what I picked up late last week, during caucus discussions, there was a little more of a split about whether there were some folks in that caucus who wanted to go forward full steam and get together and vote to overturn it. There were some who were less enthusiastic about that prospect, some who wanted guidance from leadership. So I, I think the Assembly Republican caucus is a little more split at least the end of last week. We'll see where they end up eventually. I don't know the politics in each of these districts, the assembly districts of folks about whether they are going to get blowback if they vote to overturn the governor's order or, you know, is it something that they're going to feel pressured to, to overturn because there's a very vocal segment of the Republican base that does not like these, these mask orders. So what's going to happen? And looking at the assembly and Republican and Senate maps, yeah, you know, look, overall, Republicans are struggling in suburbs because of Donald Trump. The Senate Republican seats, though, in the suburbs, they're pretty conservative still. So even if there is some drop-off with normally Republican voters because of distaste for Donald Trump, those senators should be okay. In the Assembly, you know, they're smaller, a little more broken-up districts. They're a little more concentrated in some of these suburban areas where it's going to be a problem uh, with Donald Trump, and some of these stuff might not be very popular. So I'm looking at people like Jim Ott, Menominee Falls, and Rob Hutton, and Brookfield, a couple of Republicans that... This is a little more dicier for them politically if they vote on it one way or the other because they're going to irritate somebody if they take a vote. So I'm just kind of watching how the politics play out. And again, I'm also looking for some more polling to see where is the public at the, on this. Now, we've obviously seen some sheriffs who came out right away, especially in rural areas, saying that they were not going to enforce this. So is there a rural-urban divide on this issue? You know, Where is this going to go politically and who is it going to help or hurt? At the same time, do you think somebody will file a lawsuit similar to the one that was filed over Evers' safer-at-home order and resulted in the state Supreme Court striking it down? Well, somebody's going to file one, we think, but it's not going to be lawmakers. At least that's the hint we've seen so far. Remember, in that Supreme Court decision from May, striking down the order from Evers' health services secretary, um, Brian Hagedorn, a conservative, he, he ruled that the order should have been upheld, that lawmakers did not have the standing to file the lawsuit. That was a 4-3 decision in which Justice Kelly, another conservative, was in the majority. Well, now Kelly's been replaced by a liberal Jill Karofsky. That puts a focus on Hagedorn again. And if Hagedorn stays consistent, he's sending a signal that he doesn't think lawmakers have standing to sue over an order like this. So Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, uh, in his first comments about the governor's order, hinted at that, saying he expected that citizen groups, quote-unquote, would look at filing a lawsuit. 
politics. And we already have the conservative Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty talking about filing a lawsuit. So if one comes, we're expecting it from a group like that or some private citizens, not from lawmakers. They may look at a different track to try and oppose uh, this order. As you were mentioning, Dane County Circuit Judge Jill Karofsky was sworn into the Wisconsin Supreme Court over the weekend, replacing conservative Justice Daniel Kelly, who lost the election to her in April. Karofsky was supported by Democrats during the campaign, and her victory whittles the conservative majority to four to three. What kind of cases might come before the court in the next year or two, and are we going to see a lot of four to three decisions? Good question. I mean, some things we know are coming for the court right now. There's the the case over uh, whether people who may have moved failed to respond to a uh, postcard from the Elections Commission, if they should be pulled from the voters' rolls. That case will be heard September 29th. So that's one to watch, for example. Um, you know, we're waiting to see if we're getting a lawsuit over this new uh, mandate for masks. But it's hard to say where things are going to fall, in part because... It's always a little dangerous to assume that somebody's going to just vote a certain way because of a label attached to him or her. So, yeah, we think Joe Karofsky is going to vote more with liberals Rebecca Dallet and Amos Bradley than they do with conservatives Brian Hagedorn, Annette Ziegler, Pat Rogensack, and Rebecca Bradley. But you can't assume that on everything. Likewise, with the conservatives, there are different kind of strains of conservatives sometimes. And we've seen that with Hagedorn. Uh, Hagedorn had experience as Scott Walker's chief legal counsel. So he served in the executive branch. He has a different perspective about some things than some of his conservative colleagues. So occasionally there's some nuances. And yeah, you're, you're a conservative or liberal, but there's some nuances to how you're, you fit that definition. So it would be something interesting to watch. Right. Might we see some four to three votes the other way as conservative Justice Brian Hagedorn, who was elected to the court last year, has indicated he might be a swing vote? Well, you know, he, he has on a couple of things, but he's not... He's not staking out liberal positions when he's breaking with his conservative colleagues. It's a different strain of conservatism. So you got to watch that, number one. And, you know, we'll see. It's interesting to watch how the dynamic plays out with that court and where folks end up in their thinking. But I I always hesitate to predict anything with the judicial branch because sometimes they they like to think for themselves sometimes. So you got to keep an eye on that. And finally, President Trump suggested last week on Twitter that maybe the November election should be delayed because he's afraid that increased mail-in voting due to the coronavirus pandemic would result in fraud. There was immediate backlash from Democrats and Republicans alike, including Wisconsin Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner, as well as GOP Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Assembly Majority Leader Jim Steinecke. Why was the pushback so swift, and were you surprised that Republicans weighed in as well? What do you think of the reaction from Wisconsin Republicans? It's been interesting to watch the kind of reaction to the president's tweet. There are some of his defenders who kind of try to claim that he was just kind of ribbing liberals, trying to troll them, or floating something to highlight his concerns about voter fraud. But you know, the idea of delaying this election is just not real. Uh, nobody... I, if you put that for a vote on the floor of the Congress right now, it's not going to go anywhere. So I don't think that uh, for Republicans who broke with the president, I don't think they felt any pressure about it because they knew that there wasn't a whole lot of support for doing something like that. It's in federal law. There's not going to be a move to change the election date. And there's all kinds of dynamics like if you're saying the country is safe to reopen for the economy, how can you say that and not go forward with things like an election? Now, obviously, the president is saying it's about uh, make sure the vote's secure and those kinds of things. But there's just they're just isn't some kind of thirst from Republicans or Democrats to move around the election. That would really kind of 
upend things. And I think it's, uh, for some people I talked to, they saw it as kind of a sign of a president who's floundering a little bit in the polls and, and just a little unsure of himself. And so, I, again, just don't think people took that really, that suggestion very seriously. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.